This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast, Episode 36, the podcast where we give you an inside view of aviation careers and also help you on your journey toward your aviation career goal. Well, you know, an interesting trend has started and behaviors have changed in the past uh, year even as far as aviation careers are concerned. People are now... Uh, actually applying to airlines, getting hired, and getting hired with very few hours. Uh, Major airlines are hiring people with uh, no piloting command time, so things have really shifted. But one thing I want you to to listen to in this podcast is what you shouldn't do during this pilot shortage. So next time there is a downturn and maybe a recession, you won't get stuck behind the eight ball, and you will be able to actually recover. I've seen this uh, play out a couple times. Um, As many of you know, I used to help airline pilots find jobs during good times and during bad times, and and I'm seeing the same behaviors happening again. People not showing up to interviews, people turning down jobs. It's it's happening, and uh, one of the things I'd like to talk about is what you shouldn't do and... and, uh, and try to get through this period of uh, of hiring. I know that sounds strange, but but you know you have you have to be consistent throughout your career and have some integrity. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But before that, just a quick note about our sponsors. If you do like the podcast, please go out to aviationcareerspodcast.com and click on our sponsors page. Uh, we really would appreciate that. Also, uh, just a quick note about our memberships and the scholarships. We still have all the scholarships that are out there are still for free as long as you register as a free user. If you want to become a member, if you want to support this podcast, membership is uh, $50, and it uh, gives you the Practical Guide to Winter Flying and also the Pilot Jobs Book by Tom Wachowski. Those are two really good products. You can go out to the website and check those out if you like. I have a new uh, person that's come on board and is managing all my scholarships and administrator for the scholarships. His name's Russell, and he's he's really excited to get started. So just started, uh, as a matter of fact, today as I'm recording this. So uh, look forward to putting out quite a few scholarships. Like I said, I have over a 500 of them that just haven't been able to get migrated to to the webpage. Hey, got some really cool things that have been happening. I'd like to share with you a little bit about some of the neat things I've been doing in aviation. Uh, the the latest podcast at Stuck Mike Avcast, I, I think you should go out there and listen to it. I talk a little bit about the first flight in an Airbus A320. I was able to be a part of that. I was the first officer on that flight where we flew an aircraft using both ADS-B in and out. That's uh, ADSB as part of the next gen of aviation, and we talk a little bit about that. And in Stuck Mike Avcast, it's in the next episode. It's really cool stuff. Just fascinating to uh, to have all the people on board and uh, the the key players and the FAA and and try to get the certification for ADSB. If you don't know what ADSB is, <clears throat> I'll actually put a link on. Uh, to Expert Aviator, where I actually talk a little bit about what ADSB is and how it works. Now on to today's topic, the 10 things you should not do during this pilot shortage. <laughs> you know, like I said, it's amazing how things play out, and it's always the same. We have people, just like we had before, that won't even look at a job that's in a turboprop. They won't look at anything unless it's a jet aircraft, turning down interviews, doing all sorts of craziness right now. And and I'd like people to to, to think about this. 
if we're not in a shortage, why is this happening? Well, we are. Uh, people are getting interviews. They're getting retention bonuses at many airlines, uh, even at some of the legacy airlines, at some of the major airlines, especially at the regional airlines, people getting signing bonuses, etc. So, yes, the opportunities are out there right now, uh, but you do have to watch because usually what happens after a good period of hiring it suddenly stops and turns out and turns into something different. What I want to do today in this episode is I want to answer some questions and emails from listeners, but I also want to talk to you about what you shouldn't do during this current pilot shortage because I'm seeing a kind of a disturbing trend here. So let's go over the, the top 10 things you should not do during this pilot shortage. Number one, number one is burn your bridges. Do not burn your bridges. I've seen this play out so many times. People are just getting hired in droves, at the regionals especially. They're working at, say, a flight school or their current corporate department, their banner towing, whatever they're doing. The first thing, the first time they get an interview with the airline, they just say, hey, the heck with you. They turn to their ex-employer, former employer, and they either badmouth them or they, they leave on not good terms. They do things like this. They don't give the proper two weeks notice that they had for an agreement with their employer. They break employment agreements, and that's another thing you have to look at. Did you sign a contract? So what you need to do is you know, be upfront with your employer and say, hey, listen, this is what I have. This is what I'm going to do, and uh, you know, I really enjoyed working here because you never know. When we do have another downturn, when we have another recession, I know it's hard to think about that, but it happens. It always does. It's a cycle in the economy. On the, during the next recession, you know what's going to happen? You may be going back to that certain per- person for a job. If you go back to that same person, you've burnt that bridge. You're not going back to that job. So it's really important to not burn your bridges. Make sure that you can be hired by that other employer. As a matter of fact, a lot of times when you're applying for the airlines or actually in all the applications, they're going to ask you, is this person eligible for rehire? If it says no, it might be a little bit difficult. So don't <laughs> don't run out of that job. Once you get that letter in your hand, don't say, I'm quitting right now. Leave your company in a lurch, uh, your students in a lurch. Don't just walk out the door. I've seen it play out so many times. So don't burn your bridges. Make sure that you leave on good terms, you leave properly, you give proper notice, and you also treat treat your students with respect and have some integrity when you do leave your, your uh, current job. You know, I've, I've left quite a few jobs in, in aviation, and all of them have said that, that they've wanted me back uh, just because of the fact that I did it properly. I left my job properly, and you know, obviously I did, did the work properly while I was there. So number one, don't burn your bridges. Number two, don't turn down interviews. <laughs> it's, it sounds crazy, but boy, I tell you, I've seen people that are getting interviews at airlines, and major airlines. Say it's an Airbus, say it's uh, an E-190, it's not the, the big, they don't have the 777 that you want to fly, and they're like, you know what, I'm going to wait for the next airline, thank you. I don't want to interview with your airline. Well, number one, that kind of burns that bridge. But also, it's a good idea to go to the interview. You know, it's always nice to be invited to the dance. You might as well go. You might like it. So if you're invited to the interview, head on over there. See if you never know. You are also interviewing them. You know, your impression may be wrong about that company. When you get there, they're selling you on themselves, just like you're selling yourself to them. So go to the interview. Don't turn down the interview. You never know what it's going to be about. You never know what they're going to offer you. And, you know, with like I said, there are certain signing bonuses that have been placed out there. So, you know, yeah, I, w- I would definitely take a look at that. Say, hey, you know, I'll, I'll definitely do the interview. 
maybe a little reticent there, but be upfront and honest. If you get to the interview and it's like, gosh, this isn't the right thing. This isn't the right job for me. That's good. I mean, it, it really is looking, go in there with an open mind and say, hey, listen, I really wanted to look at this job, see if it was the right thing. And it isn't. I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, I, this isn't a good fit for me. But definitely don't don't turn down the interview. If anything else, and that, is that it, it's good practice. So look at it that way. It's good practice. The other thing you do is if you don't turn that inter- down the interview, and this is a number three, show up for the interview. You know, you shouldn't not show up. In other words, you should show up for the interview. You know, I was working with uh, a company up in Plattsburgh, New York, and we were working with the hiring department there, and they were helping out a lot of the furlough pilots we had. And I set up all these interviews with, gosh, it was like over 100 people that were going to this interview. Well, a lot of those folks realized that they'd be flying a turboprop, and they were just flying a jet. And they said, no, I'm not showing up at that interview. I'm not coming. It's basically turning down the interview. But it's even worse because you have scheduled an interview, and you haven't shown up for that interview. Well, this is what happened. It was the same as what the way it is right now. They're hiring and hiring often at the regionals, and things turned around. And what happened? Those same people that turned down that interview for that turboprop now are flying a Cessna 172 because they turned down the interview for that turboprop. You know, that company actually continued hiring during that downturn. They actually needed some pilots. Well, those same pilots that turned down the interview or and also the people that didn't show up, who's I'm talking about number three, that didn't show up for the interview, asked, said, hey, can you get me another interview? I said, no, I can't get you another interview. Those people don't even want you in the door. They don't want you anywhere near that company. So make sure if you say you're going to show up for the interview, show up for the interview. If there's unforeseen circumstances, that's understandable. But, you know, we're seeing another trend. We're seeing people doing it again, just not showing up for interviews. So let's make sure you do show up for that interview. If you do show up for the interview, and this is number four, don't show up at the interview with a bad attitude or way overconfident. You know, you go in there like, hey, you know, if I don't get this job, there's a million other people knocking on my door. I know that, you know, when I went to the regionals for an interview, I had four or five that were actually writing me saying, hey, we'd like to set set up an interview. I actually had one regional kept calling me every three weeks saying, hey, listen, we'll let you fly this jet. You know, what? we'll come on over here. And it's like, gosh, you know, I'd love to do that, but I've already committed to this airline. I can't go. But but if you if you show up to that interview and you know you have a job somewhere else, don't show up with a bad interview and and, and overconfident. Make sure that you show up and, and you, you're confident in your skills, but you're not overconfident. You're not like, hey, listen, I'm just here for the interview for a little bit of practice just in case. You know, make sure you show up for that interview with a good attitude, confident but not overconfident. And it shows. Number five, things you shouldn't do. You shouldn't think this pilot shortage will never end because they always do. You know, there's a term in the industry, the worm always turns. The worm always turns in that it's going to go in one direction, the economy, and then it's going to go in another direction. Right now, we have a shortage as far as pilots are concerned, but with a good recession or some kind of downturn in the economy, that could change. That could change overnight. It could change with, well, in my case, when I first got my first furlough, I was furloughed because of 9-11, and nobody was expecting that. So you never know what's going to happen. So don't ever think that this pilot shortage, like anything else, has will, will never end. They always do. Things always change. So number six on our list is don't turn down a flying job 
because you're waiting for something better, and then ask for the job when that better thing never materializes. So don't turn down the job interview while you're waiting for something better. I hear this, gosh, so often. As a matter of fact, I was working with a young man who came to me and asked about trying to get on with a certain airline, and he he couldn't get an interview with that one airline that he wanted, but he kept turning down every other interview because he kept hearing, oh, no, they're going to start hiring, they're going to hire me. Well, you never know. You know, don't don't turn down an interview because that one airline, that one airline that you're applying to may not be, they may not feel you're a good fit there. You may never get, you may never get that job there. So in doing that and turning that down, you've just stifled your whole career. It's better to go get a job because when you get a job, it's easier to find another job, especially if you have experience flying something like a regional jet or a turboprop or something like that. So so don't turn a, down a flying job just because you're waiting for something you think you're going to get that's better. That's not true. You that may never happen. So I would actually I would go go to that job and get that experience cuz right now remember the goal. The goal here is to build as much experience, good flying experience. Um there's certain levels. For instance, you you want to get to a thousand PIC time as quickly as possible, and that's pilot and command time. A thousand, hopefully, uh, turbojet, but also turboprop PIC time. And I understand there's a lot of people listening saying, "Hey, I never got any PIC time, and now I'm at a major." This is true, but that should be your goal. If you get to a major before that, that's great. You've overshot your goal, and that's terrific. That's what you want to have happen, but. Don't turn down that flying job just because you're waiting for something better, because that better may never happen. So that's number six. Number seven, and things that you should not do, (laughs) you shouldn't lie in your resume about your past. Since hiring is going so quickly, they'll never discover the lie, right? You think, oh, they'll never find out about my past because they're just going to hire me. Well, I'll tell you what, something that's been going on is, People in in certain airlines are actually doing background checks right before interviews. Usually, they don't do that because they're, it's such a, a a strong hiring cycle right now. They're saying, "Okay, let's get the background check done because we need these people. We need these people on property right now, flying airplanes." So, if you do have a lie on your resume, it's going to show up pretty quickly. I I tell this story, and I think uh, some of you heard this before, but. Uh, especially if there's something illegal you've done. I had someone come up to me and ask me, he said, listen, I just got hired with XYZ Airline, and uh, I don't think they're going to find this, but I was arrested for having a controlled substance. Uh, He had drugs on him, and he was arrested three weeks prior to his start date. He said, do you think they're going to find out about it? I said, you know, they may not find out about it right now in the background check. They probably will. But in the future, they're going to find out, and that's lying on your resume. That's lying on your application, and they can fire you for that. Well, sure enough, it took about a week and a half, and they came into class to to, to talk to this young man and escorted him out and uh, actually uh, fired him right there because he lied on his application that he had no arrests while he just was arrested three weeks prior. So don't do that. Uh, another thing that goes along with that, try as hard as you can not to get arrested for any kind of Anything, drunk driving, uh, anything, substance abuse, anything in general. You want to keep. I, I know that it's 
it's a lot easier now to get hired, but still there is competition. You want to keep your record as, as clean as possible. So again, number seven, don't lie in your resume about your past. Since hiring is going so quickly, you'll th- you're thinking, hey, they, they will never fail. They lie, but they will. Uh, and that goes not just for major things like that. It goes for minor things in your background. You know, you, you may have lied about your hours. You may have lied about, you know, having certain ratings. That's gonna that's definitely going to catch up to you. It's all been done. I've seen it, and it does. It catches up with you eventually. Number eight, and this is <laughs> really Im- important, don't prepare for the interview. That's something you should never do. But especially in this time, I see people showing up at interviews not prepared. And and what does that mean, being prepared? If you're going to an interview with a company, you should know everything you can about that company you're interviewing with. You should prepare yourself for that interview. You should get all the information off the Internet, the gouge, get do interview preparation, do everything you can to stack the deck in your favor for that one interview. Don't just show up. I know people have done it, and it's happened, and they got hired. But don't do that. They'll, it's pretty easy to see that you haven't prepared. You know, I, I talked to a recruiter the other day, and he's like, you know, this guy was a really great person that they were talking about. But you could tell he'd never prepared, didn't really know enough about the company, just the basics, nothing really in depth. So they didn't hire him. So make sure you're prepared. So number eight, things you shouldn't do, don't prepare for the interview. Number nine, this is interesting, and this is happening more and more these days. Number nine, don't show up for training. Yes, it's happening. I've seen it happen in the past. As a matter of fact, a couple of the airlines I've worked with in helping pilots get jobs from furlough, they've had this happen because there was a period that hiring was just going crazy, and and all these pilots were going to different airlines, and they said, hey, listen, I'll take the job. So they show up for the interview. They They get the job. They accept the job, and then they don't show up for training. And then the, the company's like, hey, where are you? Are you sick? And it's like, nah, I don't feel like actually working there. Well, there's a, that's, that's wrong on many different levels. But for your, let's just talk about your career right now. This, this is really can be a career-limiting move because you have to understand a lot of these people in the HR departments know each other. And, and you, really, you really don't want to, again, burn bridges. So show up for training. If you don't want to go to the airline, say, hey, listen, it's not a fit for me. But tell them as quick as you can because those people are putting out a lot of time and energy uh, at these airlines and they're trying to get people in there to work. I mean, there's, there is this, this shortage, especially at certain airlines, where they can't fill classes. And you, by your not showing up, you, you've done a disservice to that company. So make sure you do. Make sure you show up for training uh, because that, that can get around. But that's that's the wrong thing to do. If you don't want to go... Be honest with them. Say, hey, listen, I really, you know, I thought about it. I don't want this job. I want to stay where I am, flying on Cessna 172 or doing flight instructing, et cetera. And tell them why. Have a good reason. You never know. They might might come back and say, yeah, that makes sense. We'll we'll look at you later at a future date. Now, number 10 of the 10 top things you shouldn't do during this pilot shortage. Number 10 is tell the interviewer that you're taking the job until you find something better. That's not a good idea. You know, it, it, even though they know that you're here to build hours, to move on, say you're at a regional, and they know you're here to build hours, to move on to a major, or say you went to a major airline or some low-cost carrier, but you're waiting for that one legacy carrier, you know, don't tell the interviewer. And, 
I know this is crazy to have to say this, but don't tell them you're taking the job until you find something better. I mean, don't even hint at that. Don't get comfortable during the interview and let that out, even though it's in the back of your mind. Program yourself to say, hey, this is the job for me. I'm going to keep this job for the rest of my career. Or if you're at, say, a regional, you say, hey, listen, I'm going to put my best effort forward, but don't talk about the next job. Don't talk about the other regionals. Don't tell them that you're you're wanting to, instead of fly this turboprop, you want to go fly a, a jet. And the first jet operator that that calls you, you're gone in a heartbeat because they're, they're not going to want to hire you at that point. So these are the 10 things you shouldn't do during this pilot shortage. Number one, burn your bridges. Number two, don't turn down interviews. Number three, don't show up for the interview. Number four, show up for the interview with a bad attitude or overconfident. Number five... Think this pilot shortage will never end because they always do. Number six, turn down a flying jobs because you're waiting for something better. And then for the, ask for the job again when the better never materializes. Number seven, lie on your resume about your past hiring. Uh, excuse me, lie on your resume about your past since hiring is going so quickly and they'll never discover my lie. Number eight, don't prepare for the interview. Number nine, don't show up for training. And number 10, tell the interviewer you're taking the job until you find something better. So these are the top 10 things you shouldn't do during this pilot shortage. All these things I've seen happen, and they don't play out well. So that I hope you enjoyed that. That was uh, you know something I put together, and I, I really hope you listen to that. I know to some of you listening right now are, are rolling your eyes saying, Oh my God, I can't believe people do this. I, you know what? I should put like a top 100 list of the craziest things I've seen done during interviews, during training, and during the hiring process. Absolutely crazy, some of the things that I could, I could talk about. So anyway, so that's your top 10. Let's, uh, the other thing that I want to talk about today, I have a lot of listener mail, and uh, I really want to go through this. Some of this mail has come in a little bit late, so we're going we're gonna to start off with um, our first listener mail. It says, Carl, congratulations on your wedding. I hope this email finds you well. During the month of November, I was able to get my commercial multi-engine land add-on and log about 60 hours of multi-time. I was talking to an instrument student that wants to be an airline pilot. I talked to him for about an hour or so about planning a roadmap to get his ratings the most cost-effective way possible. For instance, during your long IFR cross-country, you can split it up so you can knock out your long IFR cross-country, your day dual commercial cross-country, and the night dual cross-country, all in one flight and save money. Also, about using two aircraft during your commercial, one complex and one non-complex, and then taking the check ride in two aircraft to save money on the complex aircraft rental. That's another great idea. So he's telling the student to, hey, do, your, do most of your training in the non-complex. That way the rental's cheaper. I think that's a great idea, and uh, we're actually going to have this person on, hopefully, in the future. He has got all sorts of neat ideas, and he wants to share some of those with the audience. But again, those are some great ideas to, to split up your flying and get bang out a couple of those flights in, in just one flight to save money. It's, uh, it's great to save money. That's one of the best ways to do it is, is to, to do your flight training in a smart manner. So thanks for that feedback. Let's see our next... Um, Next listener mail comes from Tom. It says, uh, oh, this is good. He says, I don't remember exactly how you asked it on the last podcast, but I'm putting in my own, putting it in my own words. He's talking about, I asked, um, you know, people to write in, uh, and I'd like you also to write in and tell me what your next step is. You know, make your next step and, and let me know what your next step is toward your, your goal. 
He continues, I've achieved one new goal this week. I was issued my advanced ground instructor, and I plan on teaching and being available for instruction for anyone who, who I can help. I may try to get the instrument ground instructor later this year as well. Uh, by the way, Tom, congratulations on the AGI. He continues, my big goal is to do some full-time inst- flight instructing. I'm quite passionate about aviation and want every normal person to become a pilot. So do I, Tom. That's terrific. For now, at least, my finances won't let me do any flying. I own a Cozy that I built and have about 600 hours total-time private pilot single-engine land instrument. I'm always encouraged by your podcast. You always say you're never too old, except I may be. I'm 52. The airlines are probably out as a pilot. I used to support dispatchers and flight ops engineer as a software engineer. Excuse me, as a software engineer. I think once my kids are done needing financial support, the flight instructing might be a great way to retire. I think it is. Thanks for your suggestions and keep up the encouragement. Well, you know, thanks again for the email. Um, Just, you know, yeah, 52 might be a little bit old to work for the airlines, uh, but there is many other jobs, instructing corporate, banner tow, et cetera. And he talks about introducing people to aviation. I think that's awesome. We need really good instructors, and you can make really good money as an instructor. But here's one thing, one caveat here. At 52, don't totally discount the airlines. And I'll tell you this, for one reason. You know, although you, you, you may not have many years to fly for the airlines, it actually helps to have airline pilot on your resume, especially when you're looking for students. You know, it, it really helped me when I got furloughed from the airlines to find instrument students and bring forth all that knowledge. And it was great advertising that here, your instrument instructor is an airline pilot who flies in the system every single day. And here's somebody that you would want to take your instrument instruction from. So say you do go to the airlines and you decide to work for them for a few years it might be an avenue you might want to choose. And I know a few people have done this just to to put that on your resume, but also, you know, you never know. You may wind up liking it. Now, when I talk to airlines at that age and with, with that the hours that you have, we're talking more along the lines of a regional airline. Obviously, if you know somebody at a major, you can get in. If your uncle is the chief pilot, et cetera, I understand that. But in general, it's going to be tough to get yourself, work yourself into a major. You you will someday get there before you're 65, but then again, you don't have that much time left. But saying that you worked as an airline pilot really brings a lot of credibility to your flight instructing. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't totally discount that. Think about it. And uh, as a matter of fact, there's um, a couple of regional recruiters that I talked to that, that I think uh, also agree with that fact, but uh, also could talk to you. And I think on the one of them has agreed to come on the show, so I'll have her on and talk to her a little bit about uh, about working for the regionals. And, and you know, like I said, I know I know plenty of folks that retire at the regionals from fifty two to sixty five. That's a few years. And and remember, a senior regional airline pilot does make six figures, low six figures. You know, we're not talking, you know, the higher six figures like the uh, like the majors do. So think about that. Um, Thanks. Oh, thanks for sharing your one more step towards goal. And you know what? I'm gonna here's something I'm gonna do. I'd like to share these things uh, with with the audience. Of course, try to keep as much of your the information that you give me as private. So if you send me a a picture of an airplane or something, I'm gonna try to take the end number off. But I think that's gonna be kind of fun. So say you have a picture of your your next goal. You got your private, etc. Um, probably put it on the website. Maybe I'll put it on the Facebook page at Aviation Careers Podcast. I'm not sure, but I'll definitely put some of these pictures at the bottom for now. And uh, just share with people their goal because there's other people that will be encouraged by you, you reading, reaching your goal. So that's that's awesome. Also, hey, if you could, you know, 
Keep us informed of your progress. I love to hear about people moving towards their goal, and it helps other people um, that that are here listening that that will be encouraged by that. So so do that. Take some pictures. Uh, again, make sure those pictures are, are uh, nonspecific and uh, somewhat private. So, uh, you know, get rid of end numbers, that kind of thing. But I, I love it. It's, it's awesome. So, you know, fly safe, man, and, uh, you know, keep moving towards that goal. And let me know what your next step is. I want to hear about it. Next uh, question, or next, yes, the next comment comes from Percy. Uh, Percy is uh, 30 years old and is an airline pilot. He lives in Brazil, and uh, he formerly was working as a crop duster. Uh, he, he also worked in the field before getting hired with the majors because his father had a crop dusting company. And uh, sounds pretty interesting. Right now he's a first officer on a 737, and uh, he's been working for about four years. He's studying for the ICAO test, ICAO 4 test. Uh, which is English, uh, an English proficiency type test, uh, but uh, he actually had it done, but it expired. So he's looking at uh, trying to get that again. Uh, he does say, "I found this podcast, and then I started listening to the episodes. I've enjoyed them very much. Congratulations on the podcast! Thanks, Percy. I'd like to hear more about your story. I love hearing about the crop duster thing. That that would be great for you. Maybe uh, to write in and share that with our listeners about what it's like to be a crop duster. No matter where it is, it's a, a similar job. Uh, whether whatever country you're in, there's obviously different laws." But I'd love to hear what it's like to be a crop crop duster. I do have somebody that's that's in line for an interview here, but gosh, you know, write us in, let us know. Maybe we'll have you on the show there. Thanks again for the comments. Next one comes from uh, a question about uh, episode forty-one. He says, uh, "Good to have you back. Thank you. Uh, I just listened to episode forty-five of your podcast, and you had a listener who was wondering if there's any scholarships available here in Canada for pilot training. I was hoping you could share your findings with me too." Many thanks, Carl. Uh, I'm a listener uh, who had the mail from episode 41. Uh, I said, P.S., a while back I mentioned you had a friend that has a float plane bush pilot and was uh, having them on as a guest for a future podcast. Is this still going to happen? I actually have uh, one that's a bush pilot, one's a float plane bush pilot, and I have another one that's a float plane and a bush pilot. I know the one guy that, or excuse me, the one lady who is a float plane pilot, she actually is excited about being on the show, so... Definitely we'll have her on uh, soon. Uh, again, I'm back in track with the, the podcast. Thanks. I had, to, you know, like I said, a little bit of a uh, you know, situation that I had to take care of for a few months personal, and, uh, and that's over with. So it's wonderful to be able to do these. Uh, I am going to get back to you on the scholarships for Canada. I just hired somebody to do the uh, administration of all the scholarships. His name's Russ, and he's really excited to get started. Just started today. So he's... Uh, out there working on them right now. So, um, yes, we'll have them out there. Again, as far as the scholarships are concerned, the first 10 are free if you just go to aviationcareerspodcast.com and click on scholarships. Uh, after that, you have to register as a free user to get the next 50. So that's a total of 60 or really for free. Afterwards, uh, it's uh, either $5 a month will get you access to those scholarships and also the first part of the Practical Guide to Winter Flying and the, the uh, Pilot's Jobs book. Uh, $50 a year, of course, will get you access to everything and all the updates. We constantly are updating the uh, scholarships. And uh, as a matter of fact, it's it's been so exciting. Just to give you uh, the what I've been doing today has been really cool. I've been looking up all day long. That's what I've been doing is talking scholarships. Uh, I spent four hours today just researching a bunch. And, man, there are so many out there. Uh, there's new ones every year. And if you could just <laughs> if you could just get one of those scholarships – 
if you and you pay the fifty dollars for a year and gets one of those scholarships worth five hundred or thirty five thousand dollars, it more than pays for itself. I think it's a real, real inexpensive compared to everybody else that's doing scholarships. It's a, it's a lot less expensive than everybody else, and that's why I'm doing it. I want to make it affordable for folks to uh, to get these scholarship information, but I've also got to pay my salaries of the people working for me. So I appreciate that, and uh, obviously, if you you want to become a member of the podcast, I really appreciate that too. Because we're going to have a lot more courses coming up, by the way. Uh, i got a couple I'm working uh, with Tom Wachowski on and a couple uh, with uh, Len Costa from Stuck Mike and a few other recruiters. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Next question or email comes from Kevin. Uh, Kevin says, uh, I am the high-time first officer Dave described in the podcast. Now, he's talking about Dave Ross talking about the uh, China flying. Uh, he, uh, he, you know, he made reference to a high-time first officer and uh, – he was furloughed in 2010 with seventh, several, excuse me, several thousand hours of heavy jet time. However, no pilot in command time since leaving the commuters nearly 20 years ago. I'd be very eager to get more insight to find a job in China. Best regards, Kevin. Well, Kevin, you know what I did? I got a hold of Dave. Dave Ross, he's uh, in, uh, I have it, a link to it on, the, on this podcast. I'll have it at the bottom a link to the interview with him about China flying. So if you get a chance, go back, listen to that. He had some great insight as to flying in China, what it's like to get a job. But let me read uh, the response uh, from Dave, uh, Dave Ross. He says, uh, not much has changed that would help someone in his situation. We have seen an increase of opportunities on the MB-145, the Embraer 145, the Embraer 170, and the Embraer 190, or for CRJ captains and first officers, but not much of anything else. Uh, we keep hoping to see more opportunities for non-rated captains and first officers, but it has, hasn't happened yet. By non-rating, meaning they don't have their pilot and command rating. Uh, nowadays, to fly for a major, as a matter of fact, by 2016, everybody f- flying for an airline, not a major, excuse me, an airline, a 121 carrier, must have their pilot and command rating in that aircraft, or A2P PIC. That's actually what I just got uh, a couple weeks ago, and I think I put a picture out on Twitter of me finishing up my uh, my, in- my ride in the simulator. Uh, just finished. I actually had a second-in-command rating on the Airbus on the A320, and to comply with the laws, when I went through recurrent, I had to check airmen and just uh, do the, the remainder of the maneuvers that were uh, required for the the uh, pilot and command rating, so I finished that up. So I have a new certificate. That was fun, and uh, it, it was a you know, of course, it's a little nerve wracking, just like any you know certificate. I've gotten many, many certificates, gone through a bunch of check rides, and boy, I tell you, they're you're always nervous before before a check ride. Continuing on uh, uh, with what Dave's talking about, uh, he's like he said, he's hoping to see more opportunities for the non-rated captains and first officers. And it hasn't happened yet, but uh, they do have some exciting news he wanted to share with me for anyone who is flying, doing some expatriate flying, or if you know anybody or anybody considering it. They uh, recently introduced, and and by the way, Dave is the president of Waz Inc. Uh, It's a firm that actually does a lot of hiring for uh, flying over in China and other areas throughout the the world and and Asia. Uh, We recently introduced a new website, he says, with which provides insurance and financial services to expat pilots. Uh, you can see it at www.pilotifs.com. By the way, I'll have the link on there. Just go go to the bottom of aviationcareerspodcast.com and you'll see the link. And you can sign up uh, for the button for a free enrollment in the site. So go ahead on there and check that out. If you're thinking about being an expat flying, I'd encourage you to do it because then you can figure out you know what 
type of insurance and financial services are lacking possibly over in in, uh, in China and what they're helping you out with here. Uh, they have two new products uh, which are of interest in uh, to the expats. And number one, it's a temporary loss of host country medical license insurance. That's important. Boy, I tell you, I got my loss of license insurance. Uh, this insurance provides up to 12 months of salary protection for anyone who loses their medical license while flying abroad. Number two, uh, he has insurance that has medical, dental, and life insurance specifically for pilots and their families. You must be outside of the U.S. for six months of the year, but the rates are only about 500 per month for a family, including full medical and dental coverage. Uh, you can, uh, and, and that looks really interesting. So you can find out that information on that website that we'll have. Also, looking for job opportunities overseas. I really like his website. It's wazink.arrow/jobs. I will have that on the website, and that's Dave Ross. Dave has been a friend of the podcast and a friend of mine for years. He has truly done a great job of helping folks uh, in the past with, uh, find jobs for those people on furlough. He's, he's a terrific guy, and, and he'll, give you, he'll give you the straight-up story about what it's like to be flying over there. All right, our next uh, question comes from Rod. Uh, he says, I've been listening to your podcast uh, at work and enjoy and appreciate them very much. I'm a 47-year-old real estate broker and a CFII. Uh, that's an instrument instructor. I'm interested in shifting all my energies towards a career in aviation. Flying would be my highest interest. However, with an MBA and 20 years of management experience prior to opening a brokerage firm, a management role in the aviation industry would be great too. I feel the best thing to do is concentrate on getting the flying position you want, especially considering the age limitations for pilot positions. Managers don't have age or physical constraints. With that said, I know of numerous pilots who move from flying the line to management positions at both the airlines and at corporate flight departments. So yes, there it's it's you know it, it's you know that's the biggest thing. You you can be a manager at any age, uh, but having that experience, say you want to work as a manager, you want to be a chief pilot, assistant chief pilot, etc. It does open doors. So I think that's terrific to have that. The toughest thing is to get in as a pilot. So I'd say uh, probably do that. Uh, Got to have a, a friend of mine now who's. Uh, you know, pretty much done with the flying portion of it and is now uh, into management full-time. But be careful what you wish for because uh, sometimes this person says to me, boy, kind of wish I was back to flying the line. It's sometimes easier dealing with thunderstorms than dealing with people. I'm just saying, you know, that might be something that you might find out later in life. Moving on to the next uh, email, it says, Hi, Carl, just finished episode 45. I've been listening since the beginning of your podcast. It's helped me deal with my long commute to my job that I loved. Unfortunately, Command no longer wants our beloved band, he's in the band, obviously, and decided to force us to leave or do other jobs that are nowhere near as rewarding. It's currently being, and he's in the military, by the way, it's currently being argued by the union and command in the courts. While this is all going on, I've taken my long service leave, purchased the first two books towards the Australian Commercial Pilot Theory exams. I've been a recreational light sport pilot for a couple years now. My wife is supporting me on making the eventual transition to professional piloting which certainly helps. I enjoy the craft of teaching and think that being an instructor would be a wonderful opportunity to share the joy and the addictive nature of altitude. At the end of the episode, you asked if anyone had taken one step. Well, here is my little step. Thanks again for the great podcast and continuing advice about careers in aviation in general. Cheers. Well, uh, I'll include that picture that you have there. He's actually highlighting one of his books, and I think that's the coolest thing is, is moving forward by just doing one thing, studying one chapter, studying one or two pages in a book. Do something to move forward because you know what happens. 
you know, I, I've done a lot of writing. I did a lot of technical writing in, in the beginning of my career. And you know what? Getting started is usually the toughest part. But once you get started, you know, it, a lot of times you keep going. So just doing one page, reading one page in that book, studying one item, picking up one piece of knowledge, whatever it is, take one step towards that career and towards that goal, towards your ability to learn, towards your actual ability to have more information about flying, not just for your career, but about flying to keep you safe. That's really important. Next uh, listener mail. Uh, so thanks again. Oh, by the way, I'll have that picture at the bottom of the podcast. That's pretty cool. Um, next uh, email is, uh, it says, let me start by saying that I just found your podcast, but I'm already a huge fan. I think you do a great job demystifying the aviation career path. I'm currently active duty military, but I'm looking to make a change in the next year or two. I just listened to Aviation Careers Podcast, episode 36, and it's definitely given me a lot to think about with regards to taking the plunge, staying in and trying for a military retirement. That's interesting. So he's looking at both, uh, going in now or waiting until retirement. One question I have that weighs heavily on whether or not to stay is how competitive my resume is. I can't really submit application to test the waters because I still have a commitment to fulfill. My goal would be to jump right into a legacy, but I really have no way to measure my chances. Are you of any resources that could I could tap into to help me gauge how competitive I am? I have 1,800 hours total time with at least 1,000 PIC. I have both King Air 350 Learjet type ratings and will be getting my 7.3 type rating with my ATP this summer. Uh, and he's also a distinguished graduate, uh, top of the top grade from the U.S. Air Force pilot training, although I'm not sure if anyone outside the Air Force cares. If you have any advice or suggestions for me, please let me know and keep up the great work. Thanks. Uh, you know, I think you are pretty competitive. I mean, those hours right there, uh, I see people being hired at the majors, especially with the 1,000 th- uh, hours PIC. I do realize you have a total time that's somewhat low. Uh, I know in my class, most people had about four to 8,000 hours uh, getting hired with the major. Uh, as far as the regionals, obviously, you don't want to go that route, but uh, that could happen. I do know people that have done that. Uh, they came out, didn't fly for a while, went to the regionals, et cetera. But you're, you're current, so you should be competitive. Uh, you, the best thing to do is actually call the airline, but there are other uh, uh, resources out there from the people I've talked to. Uh, yes, you are competitive because of your military background. Having any type of <laughs> anything, you know, like you just said, as far as being top of your class in, in the U.S. Air Force, that's great. Uh, that's terrific. I think I think you really need to push that. And and furthermore, you don't realize this, but there's still a lot of of ex military pilots that fly at the airlines. I fly with them all the time. C seventeen, you know, uh, KC one thirty five pilots, F sixteen, you know, F fourteen pilots, uh, F fifteen pilots. There's tons of different people, guys that flew King Airs. There's all sorts of folks out there. The 737, I know a guy used to fly that. I forget what they call it in the military. It doesn't come to mind, but it flew the 73 in the military. It's as a transport, and gosh, I can't remember the name. But anyway, the it's it's really, <laughs> if you have that military background, you suddenly have a, a bunch of people that you can talk to, and you never know. You might bump into somebody you know, and especially during the interview. So don't downplay that. Total of 1,800 hours, it seems low, but you have to understand that in the military, usually 1,800 hours, you can almost say that's almost like double because of the fact that uh, they know what your training has been like. You, they know the type of hours you have. It's it's not hard to determine them. A lot of times you get, uh, sometimes I should say, sometimes you get uh, certain civilian pilots that 
that have hours in their logbook, you have no real idea what they've been doing. Say they have 6,000 hours. They may have been in the right seat of an airplane just pulling the gear up and down, or they may have been actively flying. I'm not saying they weren't, but you have to look at that when you're, you, you try to dig deeper in an interview. In a, in a military interview, you don't have to do that. You know the type of training they've been getting and also the type of experience. I would say, uh, you know, I know you're looking at specifically staying in uh, possibly and getting some more hours uh, and possibly retiring. The good thing about a retirement and I'm not going to make this decision for you, but I, I will say the nice thing about a retirement is this career in aviation, and you know I think everybody listening can can vouch for this, is that it, it has its ups and downs. And if you get caught in a downturn, you could be out on furlough. You could be out, be underemployed for a very long time. Like I said, I know guys that have had to go back to the regionals because uh, they went to, say, one of the majors got furloughed, had to stay at the regionals for four or five years. As a matter of fact, uh, this is an interesting fact. When I was uh, working for a regional on the West Coast, I had to, or my class on average had like about 6,000 hours, 7,000 hours of of jet time. You know, I had hardly any hours. I think I only had about uh, 1,800 to to 2,000 hours in class because all these guys in class and gals were, uh, well, they were flying for the... The majors, they were flying uh, 767s, 757s, and now they're back flying a regional jet. So that can happen. Um, I would actually call the airlines, but, oh, by the way, there's another organization, and I'm going to have uh, Judy Tarver on. Uh, she's somebody who does interviews, FAPA.Aero. I can make that suggestion right now. I have to write and remember to put that link down there, but it's uh, FAPA.Aero, and uh, they can tell you a little bit about your co- competitiveness. I can tell you just by talking to some of the recruiters, uh, because of your military background, you are competitive, and because, you know, in general, they, they need pilots right now. So, yeah, I think I think you're somewhat competitive. Well, guys, thanks so much for all the questions. I think that was terrific. I, I, I appreciate you writing in. I really I like the fact that some of you are writing in encouraging me and encouraging other people here. So if you have something, say you took one step, say you, you're moving forward with your rating, let, you know, write us in, tell us something about that, maybe even tell us a little bit of a challenge. Uh, that you had during your, the process of your getting to that point of of getting, say, whatever rating it is. Or if it's something small, say you finally opened the book or you bought your books to, to start studying for the private pilot course, that's great. Uh, you soloed, whatever it is. I'd like to see those pictures and uh, and hear your experiences. I'm probably going to put it at the, end of the, at the bottom of, the, of the, the podcast, but, you know, and gosh, I, I got to remember how to do this, but heck, go out on the Facebook page and post them out there and say, hey, this is my one step. This is my one step that I took towards my my career goal, whether it's getting your private pilot certificate, whether it's getting your dispatch license, whether it's getting your AMT, you know, any of those, your your mechanics license, finishing your your engineering degree, all those type of things. Just just look at that. Well, guys, I really I really appreciate your ta- your uh, you know, give, re- writing in and listening today. And you know, I really appreciate you you just listening to all these different ideas that are put forth here because it helps you. Uh, it helps you kind of get some more more uh, material into your mind that can make you understand what it's really like in these aviation careers. If you notice, we talk a lot about uh, flying jobs in this podcast, and I know it's about all aviation careers, uh, but <laughs> right now, obviously, there's a big hiring uh, going on with pilots. Also, the pilot jobs, the path to that goal is so varied. It's not 
not quite as straight as certain other careers. Uh, so that's another reason we talk about it. And it's not obviously it's not as not as easy as as people think it is. You know, it, it's uh, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to getting to an airline job, and uh, a big part of it obviously is networking and networking and networking. So I do appreciate you coming here and listening to Aviation Careers podcast. I want you to to think about what it is you can do. Either uh, maybe it's something small. Pick up a book, read an article. Whether you're moving towards your next career goal or you're in the current career that you love and you just want to actually further your experience, further your knowledge, pick up something, go out, learn something new. You know, I think I'm going to go out and learn about, I don't know, Airspeed Mini and the aircraft I'm flying, uh, something like that. But I always try to do one thing every week so that I can learn something new every single week about the airplane I'm flying, the system I'm flying in, whatever it may be. If you get a chance to, by the way, go to expertaviator.com. I have a few articles there about about certain uh, types of flying, flying instrument approaches, etc. And and please come visit our website and uh, visit our sponsors there and encourage you also to become a, a registered member. Uh, if you want those courses, of course, it's uh, that's available for the $50 per year. But... Uh, we will have more and more scholarships. So if you want the scholarships, we'll have more coming. And I'm really excited about having Russ come on board to help out. He's our new administrator for all the scholarships. Well, folks, I really appreciate you listening. And, uh, you know, next time, think about it. Think about what, what it is you're going to do. What's, what step are you going to take, no matter what it is, towards your career goal, towards your life goal? And write in. Tell us a little bit about it. But go ahead and do it. Do it now. And... And if you can't do it now, write it down, put it in your mind, think about it, and say, tomorrow, tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'm going to do this. When I have the next opportunity, I'm going to do this. Well, folks, thanks for listening, and safe flying. We'll talk to you next episode. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved. <laughs>